And we're back. We are late night cage fight. We're here for another awesome cage tastic episode about our Lord and Savior, Nicholas Cage. If you haven't followed us, we are the best Nicholas Cage podcast in the cage verse. And I know it's true because I took some time recently to listen to some other Nick Cage podcasts. And uh, guys, by the way, I'm here again with Cage Fighter Sean and Cage Fighter Steve. Um, guys, I, I listened to some other Cage Fighter, well, Nick Cage podcasts. And man, there are a lot out there. There are a couple. And none of them have ever acknowledged our challenge to do a podcast rap battle. That's true. None of them. None of none of them have acknowledged each other, including us. And I guess I have no reason to really acknowledge any specific channel out there. I just find it funny that there are so many folks doing essentially the same thing. Especially our original premise, where you take we, they take two movies and uh, pit them against each other. And I just wonder, do if we sound as pretentious and self-righteous as some of these other podcasts? I, I hope so. Fun fact, but did you know that the, uh, the Joe Rogan experience was originally Joe's fun time, Nicolas Cage fun hour? That is a fun fact. That increased my fun factor this morning. How about you, Steve? Oh, yeah. I'm having fun. <laughs> and on the topic of fun, we are going to be talking about an extremely fun film from 1999 called 8 Millimeter, a Columbia Pictures film uh, with some dark, heavy, super disturbing themes. So, to be honest with everyone out there, um, listeners' discretion is advised in this episode. Definitely. Yeah, I feel like there's a definite trigger warning on this movie. <laughs> yeah, and by default, then, this episode. I mean, we're going to have to talk about some weird stuff. It might not be as disturbing as our Christmas Carol episode, but... Oh, yeah, go check out our, our first Kitty Cage episode um we produced it we actually went to another dimension in the cage verse and kidnapped our alternate selves and forced them to do a podcast with uh talking animals right? we're gonna spoil the entire premise but yeah well sorry does that does that really spoil it though i think i think it just builds on it i mean yeah I guess, but now everybody knows that there's alternate versions of us out there and they might even start looking for their stuff instead of ours. So here we are mm -hmm. talking about other podcasts and other versions of ourselves. Yeah. I mean, really, this is the place that you should be for all of your Nick Cage wonders. Yeah, I mean, if, if there's for anyone sure. out there that has a multiversal iCloud account, uh, to access any of those other podcasts, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, let let us know uh, how 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 the alternate versions of us are. Yeah, maybe it'll be like the one with Jet Li. We can kill each version of ourselves and then absorb their power. But even then, would we become as powerful as Nicolas Cage? I don't think that's possible. I mean, yeah, me neither. There are, there are a few gods that live among us. Chuck Norris, mm -hmm. Nicolas Cage. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Epstein. China. China. The wrestler. Um, keyword live. 
so <laughs> we may not be totally accurate. It is the year 2024 in this universe. That's true. You know, on, on Cameo, you can't get Nicolas Cage, but you can get uh, Ben Cage, the wrestler. Oh, close enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, 8mm, I describe this film as guarding Tess meets Silence of the Lambs. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Steve was uh, exceptionally disturbed by this movie. Yeah, I this, feel like. this movie did not hit me well. I was not, uh, I was not going into it with the right vibes, the right mental fortitude. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, Sean, so... Sorry. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I was going to tell Sean that um, after, you know, we watched the movie yesterday, and then after Sean left, you told me that you weren't really sure that you even wanted to talk about the movie because it bothered you that much, basically. I just don't know how I can have a real conversation about it. I mean, honestly, like, yeah, I, I've got some good points, I think. I, I, well, I think it's, it'll it's be fine. Okay, but it, you, can, uh, you can take a back seat on this one if you want yeah i I think that i think that's kind of interesting because i think um steve you and i probably have pretty pretty different perspectives and i think it just kind of goes back to the the types of movies that we both tend to enjoy Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know why but whenever a movie is like really fucked up Mm -hmm. and it for some reason even if it like disturbs me yeah i i like movies that make me feel something (laughs) if that makes sense um sure you know like just to kind of give you a recent example like uh reese uh you uh we didn't watch it together but um we, we had both watched the movie soft and quiet right and like that that is a very like raw and disturbing movie and it's yes. like well i may not like really enjoy watching it in the moment like it makes me it it it's a movie that i think about like mm-hmm. and it kind of sticks in my mind and i think that eight millimeters one of those types of movies that like it deals with such dark subject matter and it really like has something to say about the darker urges in humanity yeah so i think like for me it really just depends on the headspace that i'm going into it on so like the backdrop for me is that i got another group that we watch movies and stuff together um usually it's a lot of horror films but right now for this month we're doing batmanuary so we're just watching batman movies um, so I've been watching pretty much a Batman movie every day this month so far. Um, and when I read the synopsis or the, the, the plot for this movie for eight millimeter, it sounded like, you know, a PI detective story and, you know, coming right off of all like Batmanuary, I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's just going to be like a private eye, like a little Batman story, a little bit of fun times here. We'll do We'll find some missing people. You know, I expect it to be a little darker, but not. Not the level that I have, we t- I, I have two questions for you, Steve. Okay. Number one, just real quick. Number one, did you watch the trailer? No. No, I did not. Okay. All right. And and I I don't always watch the trailer either, especially if it's a thriller or, or mystery, because I'm worried it's going to feed me too much. Number two, um, is it wrong that I do get a little bit of pleasure out of your... Uh, when you suddenly realize that you're in over your head on any given movie <laughs> yes i mean you're kind of a, you're kind of an asshole but yeah i'm i'm sorry it's not i still love you steve maybe it's just no, because it's happened and, to me and, and this is not the first time that this has happened to me in my life like this is also right. similar vibes to uh an accidental trick that reese played on me many many years ago is is it going to be Girl Next Door? It's going to be Girl Next Door. Well, I think this is probably the third time we've told this story on Have this podcast. Have we told the story on the podcast? If okay. anyone's tuning in, well, no, I think we need to again. So, Just real quick. I, uh, 
I was uh, I was getting off a long day at work, and I wanted to watch just a feel good, simple movie while I was doing something around the house. So I opened up my computer. This is back in the prime days of pri- pirating. Right. Then I see that I have a girl next door. We we're you probably know. what twenty. Yeah. Twenty-one. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And uh, if you know, girl next door, the popular one is the the lighthearted romantic comedy, the the porn star that moves in next door. I'm like, fuck it, this will be fun. You know, just. <laughs> something to put on in the background so i uh i turn the movie on uh and it is a totally different girl next door uh who's the real director i always say the uh i always say it wrong is it stanley kubrick no it's not it's not stanley kubrick i don't (laughs) remember who it is okay i know it's based off of a novel by jack ketchum who is a writer yeah so uh, it was a very, but, it was a very similar vibes to to what I got out of to to what eight eight millimeter has or themes I should say. Um, yeah, that. So this version of Girl Next Door is about is about a young girl who is essentially kidnapped, raped, and tortured to death by a neighbor. Right. Not not a feel good movie. Yeah, so, but of course, I have this problem of even when I realized that it was the wrong movie, my curiosity took over and I watched the yeah. entire thing. But again, and, I, and watching movies like these when I go into it, kind of knowing what to expect, like, yeah, right. like, like Sean said, there's a lot to take out of it. There's a lot of like, but when you're in the wrong headspace and you're looking for something mm. that makes you feel good and you see like the depravity of the human race just laid out in front of yeah. you, you're like, I get it. Holy shit. No. I, I, you know, I think it's fitting because uh, a common theme across Joel Schumacher films is the depravity of the human race. Yeah. And yeah. as I'll mention later, also his own personal life in a way. I, I'm so sorry, Steve, that you had to experience both this and batman and robin in the same <laughs> month <laughs> nobody should have to uh, go through I, I actually you missed also, batman and robin night so i got to see some of the good ones better ones like mask of the phantasm and oh nice uh, oh yeah merry little batman which if you haven't seen great little go-to family flick i have seen that one are you gonna watch uh, it just came out like last year or the year before are you going to watch Batman Ninja? I Yeah, I watched Batman Ninja, which some of them didn't really care for a lot. I, I thought it was fun. It was uh, mm-hmm. very interesting. Nothing beats... Yeah, that's how uh, I felt about 8mm. I don't know why you guys don't get that. Voltron. <laughs> hey, one thing in your story that you didn't mention is that I'm pretty sure you essentially broke into my computer... And stole a bunch of video files. That's just a Tuesday for me. And I mean, that stealing, was one stealing. That was stealing one of you is what I movies. do. Yeah, so yeah. that's what made it a little bit more funny for me. I thought that you had downloaded it onto my computer, but I guess it's possible that I had just stolen a bunch of your stuff in bulk. That's either way, more either way is possible, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> like equally. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, before the darkness and the depravity, do we have any Nicolas Cage news tonight? I have no news news personally. Right. Um, It was recently Nick's 60th birthday on January 7th. Happy belated. That is a big number for a big, big actor. And a little... A little disappointing to hear him say that uh, he may be reeling back with the movies. However, there is a part of me that um, respects that and is a little hopeful because I feel like he is churning them out faster than this podcast can make any ground. <laughs> it's true. And honestly, if love... he reels back and just focuses on the on the A's, I mean, I, I'm good with that. Oh, yeah. Right. You know. Just one vampire's kiss a year. Uh, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he did uh, get nominated for a Golden Globe for um, Dream Scenario recently, which 
I mean, that was a that was a pretty. I think probably one of his better ones uh, to come out recently. That's cool. I really, really want to see Dream Scenario, and kind of the irony is I've actually had some dreams recently with Nicolas Cage in them. <laughs> oh yeah, probably not appropriate he, for this podcast, but but he no, wasn't totally appropriate. Actually, yeah, very he wasn't boring. doing anything. He was just very boring. There. Usually, it's me apologizing to him <laughs> and him being like, "No, nah, it's cool. It's cool. I don't even know you." And walking away. So I think they're actually pretty realistic. <laughs> Speaking of um, apologizing to Nick, I think uh, Mr. David Zaslav uh, should should do some apologizing after his recent uh, appearance in The Flash, uh, because due to uh-huh. a recent Deadline interview, uh, Nick was actually somewhat perplexed by his recent uh, appearance in that film. In case you weren't aware, there was a scene in that movie where there's a CGI uh, version of Nicolas Cage as Superman uh, where he's fighting a, um, a giant spider, which is a nod mm-hmm. to a canceled script by the Tim Burton uh, directed Superman movie that we never got uh, and yeah. I guess when Nick was doing the performance for that he was told that he was witnessing the destruction of the universe uh, mm-hmm. and but that ended up not being the case uh, he did actually do a very quick mocap for that I think if there was footage out there with Nick Cage uh, portraying, or I should say expressing, the end of the world without any dialogue, just just his expression, I think that that could break the universe. That's why they had to you change Willy's it. Wonderland? Willy's Wonderland? Yeah. Isn't that him just witnessing that- the end of civilization without any dialogue? Wow. That may be true. And I'm still waiting for that to come out on the Criterion Collection. Yeah. We need that. And I'm still pissed at Freddy's. Um, that's that's interesting, Sean. Was, was there more to that? That was about it. All right. I did want to ask. So the Nick Cage uh, aspect of it, that was CG. Was the giant spider CG or did, was that real? Uh, so actually, uh, they brought in Clint Eastwood to play the giant spider. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a, a role that he's he's always wanted to play. Uh, he's a he's a big DC yeah. fan, and uh, giant spider, as we know, is a very beloved DC comics character. Yeah, and they got Clint Eastwood. He finally got that role. Yeah, that's my boy. That's my bro. Willem Dafoe finally got his star. I know he's not Nicolas Cage, but someday he might be. Nick is next. Now that we know how the universe works. Nick has a star, doesn't he? Oh, I'm... I'm yeah, I'm sure he does. Yes. He, yes, he definitely has a star. If he doesn't, I'm cutting this out, because I will look like a complete fucking idiot. He has two stars. <laughs> two stars, one for each nut. He has one for uh, John Travolta, too. Yeah, that's that's technically his. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gang, we're gonna have to do this. We're gonna have to talk about and review eight millimeter. But before, uh, just like to say that the, this episode is unofficially sponsored by Adam and Eve. Uh, Adam and Eve, uh, get your. Get 25% off your battery-powered vaginas uh, with the code mm-hmm. CAGEFIGHT at, at checkout. <laughs> I almost forgot that plug. Thank you, Sean. Um, but I still also have your butt plug at my place. Uh, that you forgot. The one that's shaped like uh, Nick's face. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. This is the mortgage. 
Cindy's college money. Mm. If I do right by Mrs. Krishnan, the circle she runs in, this could be the break we've been waiting for. Can't take more than a couple weeks. That's all I can tell you, honey. Sometimes you can't know what I'm doing. It's better that way. It's always that way. You come highly recommend Mr. Wells. You're praised for your discretion. Thank you, ma'am. As you know, my husband passed away recently. Yes. My husband was the only one with the combination to this safe. These were my husband's private things. I didn't. I didn't realize. Do you want to tell me what you found, Mrs. Christian? Private Detective Tom Wells is one of the only people who has seen it. It is eight millimeters wide. It runs at 16 frames per second. And he has been hired to discover. All I want is to know this atrocity is false. I want the proof of it. If what's on it is real. Finding the guys who made this film is going to be very difficult. I need information. I thought you might be able to help. You name the vice, I name the price. I'm gonna tell you, there's things that you're gonna see that, that you can't unsee. They get in your head and they stay there. Some doors should never be opened. Tom, where are you? You dance with the devil. The devil don't change. The devil changes you. Because once you go through... I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna be okay. There is no going back. Nicholas Cage. I'm trying to understand! Whoever you were, just forget about it. I can't. There's no one left to finish this but me. Eight Millimeter. A film by Joel Schumacher. Eight Millimeter. We're going to start with The Nick List. Nicholas Cage plays private investigator slash family man Tom Wells, who accepts a job from a rich old woman who wants the sauce on her deceased husband's snuff film. In a departure from Nick's previous roles, there is no elder abuse involved this time. Nicholas Cage's character is hired to reveal the identity of a girl who appears to be murdered in the 8mm film reel and determine whether she is still alive. He flies to South Carolina to speak with her distraught mother uh, at her house, where he finds the girl's diary hidden in the toilet, which foreshadows the large amounts of scat porn Cage will soon be forced to watch. Nicholas Cage's character flies to Hollywood to find out if the snuff porn industry really does exist. He befriends sex shop employee Max California, played by Joaquin Phoenix, who asks Mr. Wells, as any good salesman should, Cage Fighter Sean, Can I interest you in a battery-operated vagina? Nicholas Cage's character, his character Tom Wells, tries and fails to find snuff films in the city's underground porn markets, though he does find the kids section. It's labeled in Sharpie, kids. <laughs> yeah, you would laugh at that, wouldn't you, you sickos? <laughs> Just... <laughs> All right, this is the long one. Nicholas Cage's character is eventually led to porno talent scout Eddie Poole, played by James Gandolfini, and sadistic BDSM porn director Dino Velvet, portrayed by Peter Stormare. He can't quite figure out if his snuff film is real, so he asks the guys, can you just make me one? Oh, and I need the masked man known as Machine to star. Sure, bro, they say. Just meet us in New York. Nicholas Cage's character tells Max California, Hey, uh, things could go bad. You may just want to sit this one out. 
Max California decides to risk it anyway. Well, things do go pretty badly because Max California gets his throat slit open after they find out that the snuff film is real and was commissioned by the old rich lady's lawyer on behalf of her husband, who obviously was one sick fuck. Mr. Wells is captured and beaten, and all of the evidence is destroyed. So not a good day at all. Nicholas Cage's character does escape capture and calls the rich old lady to inform her that her husband was, in fact, a very sick fuck. Um, she doesn't take it very well, as she almost immediately commits suicide. But she does pay Mr. Wells for his time, which is one positive thing I can mention. Nicholas Cage's character calls up the dead girl's mom to tell her that her daughter was murdered in a snuff film and asks her if she would mind if he goes on a horrific murder spree to punish the people that did this. She doesn't mind. Hashtag let's go. Nicholas Cage's character goes on a horrific murder spree for revenge and also to relieve some of the stress built up from all of those hours watching Child, BDSM, Rape Fantasy, and Furry Pornography. All of the above on his hotel television. It doesn't seem to help very much. Nicholas Cage's character returns to his quiet family life a changed man, but at least he cared enough about the murdered girl to find out the truth, deliver Punisher-like justice, and get paid. Thank you. You know, um, one of the very first things that that Nick does in this movie when he he takes the case is find out what type of film uh, that the snuff film was filmed on, and uh -huh. and it isn't actually eight millimeter film. It's not. What is it? Nine millimeter. I don't. Oh, that's a gun. I don't remember. I. I was trying to go back and find the exact quote, but I just remember that it, it was not, in fact, 8mm film. Jeez. So many flaws. So Goodness. If, if Nick Cage told the, the old lady that hired him what caused mm -hmm. her to ultimately kill herself, does that count as elderly abuse? <laughs> oh, no. Let, let's just say yes. She asked for it, right? <laughs> she they, she well, was they asking asked for, for it. Bad lieutenant too, but oh god, I don't think so. They didn't tell him what he wanted to hear. I think that no. And again, she paid. She paid him for his services. That's true. She did pay him. So it it worked out. Yeah, Steve, you mentioned that you were bothered by the movie, and I, I think that. It, it's interesting when you think about how there there really isn't that much uh, gratuitous gore. No. Right? Overall. No. I think the most disturbing thing is just like walking through all of these illicit markets and people and uh -huh. and casting studios and everything and, and, and knowing that these things yeah. exist. It's not, I mean, right. while the movie in its entirety is a work of fiction, the, the individual mm -hmm. aspects are, are real things in yeah. our world. It's pretty real for you. Yeah, just uh, that's definitely where it hit me. I kind of had that reaction with Lord of War when I saw that the first time. And I thought, this probably really happens. Actually, I think Lord of War is based on a true story, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> uh, I get that. One thing that impressed me about this flick is the music. I, I mean, there's definitely a real 90s, late 90s vibe going on throughout the movie. But I thought it was interesting how the, the music that was composed sounded exotic. It sounded like tribal music almost from uh, remote cultures and they are and, and it's laid over top of familiar places so it's like as the movie progresses you're seeing familiar places but you're hearing this music and it's almost drawing you into this 
kind of eerie, bizarre state of mind, this otherworldly feeling. And I think that helped create this this emotional level of unease. Yeah, I specifically remember a scene when he first gets to Los Angeles. And I mean, the score is almost like Middle Eastern. In, yeah. I thought that was an interesting choice. I wonder if it's meant to give you the sense that like while you are in familiar places you're you know seeing unfamiliar right underbellies of of these familiar yes. places yeah this idea that there are things happening in familiar places but in the shadows yeah all the time and you have to be very careful you have to tread carefully or you might experience what uh, our protagonist did, where he, in a sense, starts to unravel a bit. So, but he's got. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say the the. I had another question. The the um, the guy that he spends the entire time searching for, right? What was his name? Okay. The the masked guy. The machine. 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 Now, is that uh, Bert Krishner? <laughs> I thought the same thing. What is that referencing? Because I'm not smart. So there's a, um, a Bert, Bert Kreischer is a stand-up comedian. And he, he has a very popular sketch that they actually made a movie based on. But um, he tells the story of when he was... Uh, in college he essentially just would like get fucked up all the time and he uh-huh. he took um russian and they basically were like yeah we don't have enough people in the in the class to be able to have it so i'll just give you an a if you uh stay in the class and uh so he mm-hmm. he took russian for long enough where like they actually went to russia and in order to go to russia they um yeah. have to make a deal with like the the russian mob for protection mm-hmm. and uh so so he just started like uh drinking a bunch of vodka with uh with all the these russian mobsters and they called him the machine oh my god <laughs> it's it, it's a pretty pretty funny sketch yeah that's awesome. Well, they, they like when he's masked up. Definitely, like there's a lot of physical uh, similarities yeah. as well, because he's always shirtless, right. and like this guy does this entire sketch shirtless too. So yeah. it was. Uh, I don't know if I should mention. I don't know if I should mention the the ending of the movie yet, but I, I guess we might as well. I mean, we're we're gonna be in spoiler territory. I already spoiled it in the Nick list anyway, but I guess one of the big spoils comes at the end when. Uh, Nick Cage's character is trying to kill Machine. Machine is essentially the the last of the crew that's still alive and the one that is uh, physically responsible for killing this young girl. And from my perspective, I thought, well, when he reveals Machine, he has to. I, I can't think of who it would be in the movie. I really can't think of any character that we've seen that that would work. And then I was pleasantly surprised when they revealed the identity of Machine that he's just he's just some guy. He's just like some seemingly normal guy who secretly likes to do this shit. It should have been his wife. But I think that's what gets me on a lot of them too, is like they're they're like Nick's constantly looking for reason in all of this, and every time like he corners anybody and he's like, Why are you doing this? He's like, Do you want some sort of a like grand reason? Because I like it. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. And and that is chilling. Yeah. Because I do think that there are people in this line of work, certainly, that, that are like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and you go after these people, but at the end of the day, they don't value their own lives. Mm-hmm. They just care about what they can get away with. And then it's like, oh, well, kill me then. I mean, what's his name? James Gandolfini's character. He got the, the shit beat out of him. And I felt like he had the upper hand till the moment he was killed. Yeah. He did not care. Yeah. Which is frightening 
because it makes you question the value. Yeah, I do think that's one of the questions in this movie is like, was it worth it? Yeah. Well, and like you go all the way back to like the 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 millionaire dude or whatever old old man. Um, uh, Mrs. Christian. Yeah, was, yeah. So Mr. Christian, uh, you go mm. back to his character and like the way that the lawyer described it, where he's like, I don't even know if he was really into this. He just did it because he could. Right. He, he had yeah. enough money to buy a snuff film, so he's like, "Fuck it, let's get one." Which, by the way, he spent one million dollars to have a snuff film personally made for him. Yeah. So imagine, I mean, with inflation, maybe it's a little bit more today, but. Um, the billionaires today, we should do the math and figure out how many snuff films they could produce yeah. in a year. How uh, many snuff films <laughs> has Elon Musk made? Oh, God. Well, we just got canceled on X. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get fact-checked. Yeah. The f- <laughs> oh, what a fun film, guys. What a fun film. It's It received mostly negative reviews, but it was a box office success. Uh, interestingly, the one critic who did seem to appreciate this was Roger Ebert. Um, he seemed to kind of get what it was going for. Now, I Sean, mean, before we started recording, you mentioned Joel Schumacher, the director. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have to talk a little bit about him. He's mostly known for directing... And correct me if I'm wrong, but St. Elmo's Fire from the 80s and The Lost Boys, which is a personal favorite of mine, as well as The Client. And he oversaw the production of Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, which he actually apologized for in 2017 <laughs> for the the quality of specifically Batman and Robin, because that was universally panned, right? Not, I thought that was one of the best. Bad credit okay. card. I think you're just being too cold. <laughs> you need to chill. Mr. Freeze. So Schumacher, he described himself as extremely promiscuous. He was a gay man. And in 2019, he said in an interview that he became sexually active at the age of 11. And he believes he had sex with somewhere between 10,000 and 20,000 men over the course of his life. Um, It's alleged that Schumacher liked to put homoerotic elements into his films. Uh, And the most famous thing would be the rubber nipples and cod pieces and shots of Batman and Robin's asses in the movie. (laughs) Um, Though Schumacher did say that he merely based the designs on Greek statues and medical drawings. However, George Clooney said in 2005 that Schumacher told him that Batman was gay. I mean... Thoughts? I'm pretty sure he's not, but, you know. Uh... He might, maybe, maybe he's bi-curious. I would be okay if Batman had had a relationship with... Mr. Freeze, not Robin. That's a little iffy. That's yeah. a little, I don't know, but especially considering half the time Robin is his adopted son. <laughs> right. That's that's get, that's getting into eight millimeter territory. Yeah. Uh, eight millimeter was originally written by Andrew Kevin Walker, the screenwriter of the movie Seven, which had really only just launched his career. There was a falling out between the two of them, Walker and Schumacher. Um. Schumacher eventually sided with the studio execs to tone down the film's heavy subject matter. So the original script is actually supposed to be darker. They made him take out the furries. Was that it? (laughs) Gone. So that's a positive thing then, Steve. That should make you appreciate this. Well, what I was going to say is I I think overall, I mean, you take the cringe elements out of this film that kind of make it difficult to watch. And you focus on just the actual film, the acting and everything else in that. This is honestly a really good film. That's Um, good to hear. Yeah. I mean, I, I cage didn't really have any, any good cage outs. I mean, yeah, I I feel like he came close. Yeah, anytime he got excited or or started to get high high energy cage like, it was uh, very very justified. 
Um, oh yeah. So yeah, right. but I, I think, I, and we've had this conversation before off off the cast. But uh, I, I've told you there are there are few movies of Nicolas Cage's that I think he plays a serious role and does it in a serious manner. Um, mm-hmm. Lord of War being one of them, and I and I think this is definitely another one. Um, yeah, and I don't know whether that adds to it or takes it away from it. I don't think mm-hmm. like normally I see Nick Cage's character is a little bit of a, a comedy input to a movie, yeah. even movies right. like Wild at Heart. It's he's yeah he adds a comedy element to it. There's I don't think that a comedy element would have been appropriate in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do think I, no. I do think that for much of this movie, his performance is not really one of his best. I, I do think okay. that it gets better towards the end because he gets more to to work with. But mm-hmm. through most of the movie, I mean, his character is just very stoic, and things are kind of just happening yeah. around him. So mm. I don't know. I mean, right. it's 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 just that question of uh you know if nick cage had put a little bit more schlock or was allowed to improvise a little bit more and that showed up in the movie would that have would that have added some value to our review you know i'm not sure and him having not done that does does that then just make this um not as cagetastic so to speak i don't know for me i was i was just surprised by the content of this film and how dark it got much like uh much like our leaving las vegas i had a similar thing with that steve because with leaving las vegas i didn't know that that was a um, descent into uh complete alcoholism and basically suicide i thought that there was going to be redemption in the end and that there were going to be like positive moments so I, that was basically the same experience for me, I think, that you had with this film. Yeah. Um, so I definitely know where you're coming from. But I was more pleasantly surprised with this by, I guess, how how deep it went. And just the fact that they had so many well-known actors with interesting roles, like seeing Joaquin Phoenix, uh, who had the best line, I think, in the movie. Uh he said, if you dance with the devil, the devil don't change. The devil changes you. Yeah. Um, and that might actually be a, a lyric from a song. I'm not sure. I thought his uh, character was was pretty pretty well written. Because, you know, they... Oh, yeah. While he worked... While he existed in kind of this seedy underbelly of society, you know, you know he was a, an intellectual. He read a lot of uh right yeah that was a that was really cool yeah uh, character development so you remember the uh the character eddie pool right oh of course yeah do you know that he was actually a big nicholas cage fan uh james gandolfini the actor no no i'm saying eddie pool the character no, no. If you'll, if you notice, when uh, Nick Cage breaks into his, or uh, I'm sorry, when uh, Mr. Wells breaks into his office to bug his phone or whatever, uh-huh. one of Nick Cage's Oscars for Leaving Las Vegas is on his desk. Oh my goodness! See, we're breaking the Cage verse again. <laughs> so that character went. He found a time warp, a space time warp, and got that Oscar. Yep. Put it in the movie. My goodness. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nicholas Cage's Oscar award for leaving right. Las Vegas. We had uh, Anthony Heald. He played the lawyer. Um, I didn't expect him to be the bad guy, so that was a nice little bait and switch there. I mean, in retrospect, the butler always did it. I know. <laughs> That's the thing, right? Like, yeah. you know, I know, and th- th- I think that's what was really good yeah. about the writing is that normally would be stereotypically that would be cliche, right? But then, then because of that, I expected there to be some kind of Scooby Doo reveal at the end, 
and there wasn't. Yep. And it's like, okay, all right, this movie's really messing with me. But uh, Anthony Heald did great. He was he was in Silence of the Lambs and Red Dragon, so you know he's he's very um, good with these types of roles. Yeah. Who's the other guy? Um, oh, the Swedish guy. He was in Big Lebowski. Um, who played Dino Velvet? Yeah. Uh, Peter Stormare, excellent villain. I mean, he really creeped me out in this. His weapon of choice is the crossbow. Yeah. I did get confused a lot with locations in this movie. I could never tell where mm-hmm. they were and when they were traveling to another side of the country. Um, I'm right, still not entirely right, really? sure where Marianne was from, like where her mom lived. Um, North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, and then so they were where Nick lived, for that matter. I think this is this happened in editing. It was just a, a slight error, but um, the fast travel screen they only had it up for about five <laughs> seconds. I mean, yeah. that's what happens when you when you you're so. running it off of a PS5. No, Marianne was from Cleveland. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was from Cleveland. That's where her then mom what lived. Was he in, what was he in South Carolina for? I, that's what I'm saying. I even. Because I remember I making the analogy that all Cleveland girls want to go to Cali to be a to be a star. Oh yeah, we did make some Cleveland jokes, didn't we? Yeah. Well, the official plot is North Carolina. Maybe they don't know the difference between <laughs> yeah Cleveland, North, North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> is that a place? I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. But I remember it was Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, the second you oh, find man. out you have to go to Cleveland, you should know you're fucked. <laughs> Jeez, this movie really does mess with you. <laughs> can't, can't even figure out where it was set. I I still just can't believe that they they just had a sign that just said kids. Like it was an FYE or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it was like it, it was like any uh, you know garage sale or flea market mm-hmm. or whatever. Just right. Well, I felt like right there in Sharpie. I was a little confused. I felt like a listener of Kitty Cage for the first time. I was thinking, is this of kids or for kids? Yeah, for you know. for kids entertainment, <laughs> porn for kids. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I remember making the comment that. The, the one guy at the nasty porn store it looked like uh, he reminded me of a guy that sold hentai at the anime conventions. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, they put him in there. No. Nope. Uh, one copy of Bible I, Black, what? please. <laughs> How would you react if you saw, like, in the corner there was a hentai section? <laughs> I mean, at an underground market, that would be kind of surprising. I feel well, like the most... In the 90s? I don't know. I, yeah. Nobody really... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I still think, I'm everybody. curious how much of an underground market there really is for porn nowadays. I mean... I know. And that's another good point. Watching this... I'd like to see a modern-day remake instead of 8mm. It's called uh, Pornhub, and it's just like, you know, he dies, and it's there's his Pornhub profile. And uh, here's all the videos she's, trying he's to uploaded. Find, she's trying to find the password or something? Yeah. You just need to find the OnlyFans account. Yeah. Or... or <laughs> She finds she finds out that for like fifty years he's been recording them in intimate moments <laughs> and putting it on online. And she's trying to destroy. It's it's more of a hacker story. Yeah, she's trying to find the right hacker to erase them all. That'd be good. That'd be like uh, some. But then was it was it Snowden? No. <laughs> it would be like yeah. He ends up having to go against the big tech companies and the U.S. government. Because they won't get rid of it. <laughs> it's like it's like in the vault. National treasure. Man, now style. it's becoming yeah. National <laughs> treasure adult video. 
that that market was actually uh, how you have to buy porn in Utah now. Oh, oh, now we are getting political. Did they outlaw something again? As they always do. Well, that'll be that. That could be a field trip. You know, we can go to one of those night markets. Yeah. Do you yeah. have a Nicholas Cage <laughs> section? <laughs> Nicholas Cage section. I love that at Rinks in uh, Marietta, it's a giant thrift store place. There's a video shop, DVD shop with a huge Nicolas Cage section. I respect that. Sounds like we should take a road trip. We should. Doing the Lord's work. Steve, you, you, you mentioned you mentioned that there was actually a sequel to this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so when I was um, searching for this movie, I uh, accidentally started 8mm 2. Uh, I didn't notice it until about an hour before we went to watch it. I had the wrong movie. Uh, I would have loved if we watched that <laughs> accidentally. And I didn't know there was an 8mm 2, so I was, uh, I was telling... Yeah. recent Sean about it and uh, what did you guys find? What did we find? Yes, there's an 8mm 2 and it does uh, not have Nicolas Cage does not have Nicolas Cage it does not have any association with the Nicolas Cage movie it just the poster kind of looks like the first one the original originally the movie had a totally different title before Sony acquired it and just said, "Man, we'll just call it 8mm too. Why not?" Yeah. We 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 want to sell, you know, more than 5. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't believe we're actually talking about 8mm 2. It was originally titled The Velvet Side of Hell, which is funny Dino because Velvet. Dino Velvet, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Do I even want to read the synopsis? Not really. I see that there's... No, it doesn't matter. There's, salacious there's... activities. Uh, takes place in Budapest. Uh, the Russian pimp. Um, Six million dollars. Uh, okay, got it. Cool. Well, that came out in 2005. And has... Yeah, no connection. Actors I don't know. Nope. Sounds about right. So before we wrap up, um, since I've got it open, you guys have a, a rating yeah. for this movie? Are we doing out of five or ten? Uh, it looks like ten. Ten. Mm. I'd give it a. Well, I'd give it a, a seven. I, I I was thoroughly uh, intrigued through throughout the the plot, just seeing what was going to happen. Wow. So much for a cage fight. I'd, I'd mostly agree. I'll give it a seven and a half. Um, I also was pleasantly surprised with the pacing. Even though this was a longer film, I felt myself kind of glued to the action. I wanted to know how it was going to pan out. I do feel like the movie loses a bit of steam after the uh, Nick Cage kidnapping part where Joaquin Phoenix is murdered and other people die and all that. And he makes the decision to get revenge right uh, upon the blessing of the mother of the dead girl um yeah but it was fine i mean it's still you know picked up after that but the, the odd part of that whole bit is he still has to do his fast travel so yeah. it's like oh well back on the plane to go you know get my mandy battle axe and in this but yeah i'm gonna give it a 7.5 out of 10 so I'm struggling a little bit on my rating. I've kind of I've put a lot of thought in this, and I've gone back and forth because um, obviously I was really disturbed, and I have no intention of ever watching this movie again if I can get yeah. there. That was my initial uh-huh. thought, which kind of creeps at a lower rating. Mm-hmm. But thinking more about it and just the elements of the film, it was very well scripted, very well directed. Um, I mean, yeah. a lot of the aspects were were well done with it. And it really obviously got under my skin, which is kind of the goal of a movie like that, is to make you think. Right. And we all know Cage Fighter Steve has some thick skin. That's right. 
And then, but then, uh, yeah, going back to the actual watch of it, there was, uh, there were two points that I think really dragged. The beginning was really slow Mm -hmm. for two reasons. One, the pacing was kind of slow, but also the delivery of a lot of lines. I remember complaining about that where just there was no emotion behind a lot of the characters early on. Um, and then well, definitely we uh, stopped at about 30 minutes going, so the movie's over, right? Nope. Still got 30 minutes left. So yeah, yeah, it was definitely too but long. But then when you, but then when you realize that he's, he's going to kill them, then it, it kind of sets your expectations. Like, okay, now this is a revenge film. Yeah, it does. But it, it was, it was definitely like the movie should have stopped at an hour and a half. The other bit yeah. was just like the bonus, epi- you know, bonus features kind of thing. Right. Um, so the thing the thing I liked about the beginning portion of the film is when Cage was interviewing these different people mm-hmm. and he was feeding them all different stories. He was lying to everyone, mm-hmm. trying to get clues. And I thought that was really interesting. I, f- I felt like that is how a real private investigator would operate. So I, I thought that was cool. But I get where you're coming from. Yeah. So I'm probably going to, I don't know, I'll probably land at like a, it's probably like a six for me. Okay. Yeah. I think if if we had kept the same format as uh, previous seasons, we probably would have done a Snake Eyes versus 8mm. That would be the real question. And we've rated them both. Um, we were sevens across the board on, on Snake Eyes, not gambling. Um, okay. So these are pretty close. Yeah. In terms of our ratings. I think I liked this one a little bit more than Snake Eyes. It's definitely more memorable okay. for me. Yeah, I I get that. I probably agree. I can't say for sure. They're they're very close in my book. So that's what we thought. That's what we thought. The uh, next movie on our list is mm-hmm. uh, Bring Out the Dead. Oh, I'm so pumped for this one. Yeah. I believe we may have another cage list between now and then. We might. We may. Yeah. We have one in the in the works. Oh, another one to record? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. For, okay. Uh, yeah, beginning of February. Cool. Do we want to say what movie it is? Um, I'm, I, I'm okay with that. It was going to be for, for both of our birthdays or the beginning of February, also Groundhog's Day. Uh-huh. So we were going to watch Happy Death Day. Yeah. Steve's choice. Steve's choice. Okay. Um, Happy Death Day. No Bill Murray, unfortunately. No Bill Murray. Nope. Well, that sounds like a fun film. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be interesting if on the day of your death you got... It's like a birthday party. Blow out the candles. Oh, you can't. Uh, tech, again, referencing Willy's Wonderland. <laughs> What was you watched that recently? You rewatched it. I did. That. I just rewatched it. Yeah, recently. What was the but, uh, song? Do you remember the song? In the oh, movie? it's your birthday. That is my happy death day song. Yeah, but that was the whole that was the whole premise behind Willis Wonderland, right? They would just select a family, take them downstairs, give them a special birthday cake. That's right. Cut them up. Woo. Thank you, Nicolas Cage, for all the wonderful family-friendly films that you've made, like A Christmas Carol, G-Force, uh, 8mm. Um, Mandy. 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 Poor Mandy. Mom and Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Which I still haven't watched. I just... Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Well, until next time, this is Cage Fighter Reese with the rest of the Cage Fighters. Thanking you for joining us for late night cage fight this was our review of 8mm we got cageless coming up again and bring out your dead that's what it's called bringing out your dead yeah bring out bring out the dead bring out the dead bring bring out the dead Sean do you know anything about this movie nothing at all dude good I'm excited don't even watch the trailer because I watched the trailer and was like oh I really need to see this. I'm I'm really excited for this one. And Sean is going to like this. 
and Steve hopefully will not be too disturbed by it. <laughs> but I don't think it's going to be the same kind of thing. Who knows? Maybe worse. You never know in the world of Nicolas Cage. But that's why we're here. We're parsing it all out for you. Thanks again for listening. I'm going to cage out. See you guys. Cage out. Cage out. Remember remember to check out our stuff on uh, nickcagefight.com. Um, we're pretty active on Facebook. And drop us a line if you like what we're doing. Thanks.